0: Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker and you are listening to episode 114 of the podcast or you're joining us here on YouTube. Today is Sunday, November the 4th, the end of daylight savings time if you live in the United States in uh, 47 or 48 of the States. So remember to turn all your manual clocks on back an hour enjoy that extra hour of sleep remember to check the batteries in your smoke alarms as well folks now let me introduce my co-host who is in the same time zone as me for now until florida passes the bill to get rid of daylight savings time jeff the animal wilson jeff how you feeling on this early sunday afternoon my friend I feel awesome, Bill. I
1: missed most of this card last night, but the extra hour gave me a chance to catch up on a lot of these fights. And, Bill, I was pleasantly surprised with this card.
0: Yeah, it it had a a lot of hidden gems on here. You know, a lot of fights that were easy to overlook, and I'm glad I got the opportunity to uh, go back and rewatch them. So um, thank you, America, for that extra hour of time this weekend. I think we both benefit from it greatly. Um, yeah, starting to get a little cool down here in Florida, Jeff growing my beard out. Cause you know, it's almost below 70 degrees. Uh, <laughs> I have to prepare. I, I have to, uh, you know, some extra lengthy whiskers to, to protect, uh, from that, that Florida winter chill where it, it gets scarily close to, uh, you know, 65, <laughs> <laughs> um, so back up in New York, where I I know it's it, it's been much colder than that lately uh, is where UFC 230 took place at the world's most famous arena, Madison Square Garden. Um, it you know, there's always a sense of, oh shit, what's gonna happen every time there's a card in New York. Um, uh, in this case, luckily, everything went fairly smoothly on fight night. Uh, It was just, you know, the weeks leading up where we didn't know who the main event was going to be for the longest time. And then uh, it got canceled several times. And that, that much anticipated co-main event between Dustin Poirier and Nate Diaz fell through. But I think that's a distant memory for a lot of people now because the UFC actually uh, put together a good card Uh, credit to Daniel Cormier and Derek Lewis stepping up on three weeks notice. Uh, to fill in that main event slot because it was meant to be Valentina Shevchenko and Sajara Eubanks for the vacated women's flyweight championship. But, you know, the fans spoke and the UFC listened and they canceled that fight. And it's a good thing they did because Eubanks um, wouldn't have made weight for that contest since she was three pounds away from championship weight. But let's not start off with that, Jeff. Let's start with the champ champ, the first man to ever defend a title while holding two titles simultaneously, the first man to ever defend both the light heavyweight and the heavyweight championships. Uh, not the first man to hold both titles, but the first to do it simultaneously and the first to defend both. Uh, and he did it in spectacular fashion, putting on a wrestling clinic against the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. Uh, I was a little concerned when I saw DC's weight and he weighed in at 251. Uh, that's scary for a guy who typically fights at 205 or had for a, a, you know, a big chunk of his career. Uh, so I was a little worried, you know, maybe DC was a little too soggy for this one. Uh, and you know, he didn't have enough time to prepare. Maybe he wasn't training, but, uh, you know, and then, you know, his shorts weren't fitting too well. Uh, he lost the fight with his t-shirt, uh, getting into the octagon, (laughs) So, hey, DC was looking like a hot mess. He had his thong strings hanging out the whole time during the fight. Um, but man, once once that cage door closes, that's a bad motherfucker, and he proved it once again, uh, getting in there and taking on a, a challenge like. Derek Lewis, who a lot of people, for some reason, thought had a puncher's chance here. What were your thoughts on the fight and uh, the wardrobe malfunctions, Jeff?
1: Bill, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I wasn't too worried, man. Cormier, when the lights are on him, he's a different animal, dude, especially in this heavyweight division. He goes to 15-0 and 0 as a heavyweight. And, Bill, I was just so, so pleased with his performance, man. Uh, I got to go to the weigh-ins Friday night. And, um, it was super fun. And for some reason, everybody was booing Daniel Cormier. Everybody was cheering for Derek Lewis. I was like, dude, you haven't been watching this game for a long time. If you think Derek Lewis is going to win. And we talked about how Daniel Cormier was well-rounded, how he can strike and grapple. Uh, whereas Derek Lewis can only strike and has, um, not minimal grappling, but enough grappling to, to avoid um, maybe some other wrestlers in this heavyweight division. But, dude, Daniel Cormier, excuse me, a former Olympian, uh, captain of the Olympic team, if I'm not mistaken. So, dude, I don't think Derek Lewis was going to be ready for this guy in three weeks, maybe not even three months of training. Um, So Daniel Cormier, his champion pain wrestling was phenomenal bill he did this one move in i believe it was the first round where he had uh derrick lewis in a front headlock and he was sprawled out a little bit and as he was standing up and derrick lewis was standing up he picked his ankle and dropped him over again bill it was so flawless so beautiful i mean if you're a wrestling fan if you're a grappling fan you got to appreciate what Daniel Cormier did in there because Derek Lewis is a big, strong guy. He is tough to hold down, he's tough to put down. And Daniel Cormier, he made it look like just another day in uh, training camp, basically.
0: Yeah, I think unless you're involved in the grappling world, it's hard to understand how impressive. Daniel Cormier's performance was because, um, he was shooting for a lot of outside singles, which is kind of his thing. And that's something that's very difficult to get away with in MMA, because when you put your head to the outside and you go after one leg, you expose your neck. And also when you lean your head to the outside in MMA, you leave yourself open for a head kick, which John Jones exposed, uh, Derek Lewis tried to expose it. He threw the head kick, letting Cormier know it was there, but um, you know, he just didn't have the timing to land it, um, when Cormier ducked in for that outside single. So there are very few people who can get away with an outside single leg. Uh, even, even a high level wrestler like Chris Weidman, uh, got caught with it. Uh, you know, with that nasty knee, when he went for that, um, outside single against you all Romero at Madison square garden. Uh, and you know, we'll talk a little more about that, uh, in just a few minutes, but there are very few people who get away with that outside single. Um, you know, Ben Askren is one of them as well uh, because he's so good at getting low and just grabbing that leg and pulling straight down and, and getting guys to the ground before they can get their hands around the neck because uh, you leave yourself open for that guillotine there. Um, yeah, the, the snap down to the ankle pick, um, uh, you know, just a- everything. He he did whatever he wanted. I, I don't think he missed a single takedown once he got a hold of Derek Lewis's legs and uh what was impressive to me as well is his, was his ability to hold Derek Lewis down because we've seen yeah. Derek Lewis been um taken down in the past uh Roy Nelson comes to mind Roy Nelson got him down and Derek Lewis just bench pressed Roy Nelson off of him uh who uh for those who don't know Roy Nelson may know him as a slugger these days but he's a very high level brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt and a very high level grappler um who who i believe he has a couple of world championships in grappling if i'm not mistaken uh so that's kind of where i thought you know derek lewis might have been able to succeed is you know he would get taken down a few times but he would get back up and that might frustrate Cormier, but, um, you know, it was just a total ground clinic by Daniel Cormier. He did whatever he wanted and the finish was so slick the way he took his back and already had the choke locked up. Uh, it was so tight. Um, you know, those of us who, who have shorter limbs, uh, once, uh, <laughs> once the arms are secured around the neck, Jeff, it, it's, it's pretty much a done deal. And that was what happened with Derek Lewis. So, uh, awesome performance by Cormier, just flawless in every way. Uh, but still credit to Derek Lewis. You know, he took this fight on short notice after telling the whole world, in addition to his balls being hot, that he was not ready for a championship fight. His cardio just wasn't there. Uh, but he still got in there, uh, knowing that he was probably going to be a huge underdog, but also knowing that, you know, he packed some heat. In his fists and uh when he's backed against the wall is when he's the most dangerous uh so big credit to derek lewis i don't think he loses any stock in this whatsoever yeah he's got to work on his wrestling but you know a uh, big deal i think he's still going to be a fan favorite uh for a lot of reasons so any other thoughts on this main event here jeff No, I agree with you on all accounts.
1: I thought that Derek Lewis has some huge balls for taking this fight on three weeks notice, man. I don't think a lot of people are lining up to fight Daniel Cormier on three weeks notice. And Bill, you know, Cormier talked last night in the post fight press conference about how, um, his fight with Brock Lesnar in March is going to be a swan song. So Bill, um, if Cormier leaves as champion and the title's vacated, I'd love to see Derek Lewis in in half of that title picture uh, for the next heavyweight champion.
0: Yeah, that would make a lot of sense. Um, I still kind of have a feeling the Brock Lesnar fight's going to fall through. Uh, You informed me earlier today that Brock Lesnar, I guess, just won the WWE championship because one of their other superstars uh, fell through. So I think if Vince McMahon pulls the plug on it, Uh, he probably has the ability to do so. I, you know, another school of thought is that Brock Lesnar does what Brock Lesnar wants. Uh, but, um, you know, I guess if he's going to be that WWE champion, he's got to look like it. So he's going to have to swell back up. I know he was deflating for a little bit there while he entered the USADA pool, but uh, I don't know what he's looking like these days. Uh, any thoughts on that, Jeff?
1: Yeah, dude. Actually, I think this is a great marketing opportunity for both the UFC and the WWE. This could be the first time, Bill, that we ever see the champions of both of these organiz- organizations go at it. Um, the first and market it that way. You know, the two uh, the two division UFC champion versus the WWE Universal Champion, dude. I, I think I think we got a I think we sell right there. Just say no more. Uh, Show a couple videos of Brock Lesnar throwing some people around in the WWE ring. Um, Show all of DC's highlights at heavyweight. And, Bill, I think that this fight stands to make a lot of money.
0: Yeah, co-promote it with the WWE. It's reminiscent of Rocky Balboa fighting Thunder Lips, the ultimate male. (laughs) Dude, that is one of my
1: favorite Rocky movies, man.
0: Uh, That was a good one. Yeah, it's one of the most cartoony ones with you know Mr. T as the yeah. the bad guy, but it's it's so good, it's a classic. But yeah, I mean, I think maybe a little co-promotion could, if it's done tastefully, could be a good thing. Uh, put both titles on the line, just don't make it like a ladder match or anything like that. <laughs> you know, don't don't. <laughs> but you know, there's no denying that the WWE is a, a marketing. A mega giant, and you know, the the UFC has taken more than a few pages out of the WWE's marketing uh, strategy guideline book. Um, and but you know, you got to do what you got to do to uh, promote your business, it is a business at the end of the day. Um, so hopefully Cormier gets uh, what he's looking for in that Lesnar fight. Uh, I think the only other fight he's interested in is John Jones, and he said he wants John Jones at 205. Because he wants to redeem himself and and do it um, where he lost to him. Maybe what he's really saying is he doesn't want to lose another title to John Jones and and give him that satisfaction. Um, but I I think personally Cormier would have a better chance of beating John Jones at heavyweight. So. Um, I I would kind of like to see that at heavyweight if John Jones were to get past Gustafson, but, um, that may be a conversation for another time as for Derek Lewis. Um, I don't know, man, there, there's some interesting fights for him out there, I guess. Um, I I would kind of like to see him and Ngannou go at it again, just so they could both, uh, redeem themselves for that awful fight they put on a couple of months ago. But, um, I, I also think the Black Bee should take some time off. I mean, he in the last month he's fought, uh, you know, a, a lot. <laughs> you know, he's fought seven rounds uh, in the last three and a half weeks. So uh, let's let's give him a little bit of of a break. So let's move on to the co-main event here. Uh, really unfortunate night for Chris wyman who <laughs> was fairly dominant in uh, his fight with Jacare Souza, who was uh, a last-minute replacement for. Luke Rockhold, who was meant to fight Chris Weidman in a rematch last night. And it, it feels like uh deja vu seeing Weidman winning a fight for two rounds in Madison square garden, and then getting brutally knocked out uh, towards the end of the third. Uh, this happened with you all Romero two years ago, and now we saw it again uh, against Jacare. Um, but credit to Jacare, man, he just kept coming forward and would not quit he got rocked a couple of times he tried to turn the fight into a brawl uh and he would not let chris weidman relax for a second uh weidman did a great job of controlling the distance using his jab uh you know awesome job um you know controlling space in the octagon and not letting Jacare get too close Jacare did not even try to shoot for a takedown. He wanted a box with Weidman, even though he was getting clearly outboxed, he wanted to keep turning it into a brawl. I don't think he wanted to waste any energy trying to take down an All-American wrestler. Um, you know, even in those clinch exchanges, they had uh, both guys kind of separated quickly. It seemed neither of them wanted anything to do with the grappling exchanges. So a uh, rough night for Chris Weidman. Awesome night for Jacare. So it was a embarrassing night for Dan Mergliata uh, for not stopping that fight as soon as Chris Weidman uh, hit the ground and you know, his head bounced off the cage pretty violently and Jacare didn't want to hit him anymore, but Murgliata, um allowed it to continue. So uh, Jacare did what he had to do, but uh, credit to him for being a gentleman, not wanting to hit, hit the guy while he was out. Uh, so a lot of information. I just threw at you, Jeff there, start wherever you like and uh, give me your thoughts on this fight.
1: Yeah, Bill. Um, Dude, I don't know what happened. Chris Weidman went in there with the right game plan. He was doing everything right, Bill. Um, like you said, controlling the distance. I loved his use of the jab. It was that jab that bloodied up uh, Jakari Swoza's nose. So, dude, I, you know, I thought it was going to be an easy night. I thought he was going to grind it out, get the decision. But in that third round, man, I don't know what uh, Jakari's corner said to him. But he came out, was in Weidman's face the entire round, and hurt him with, I believe it was an overhand right. I can't remember off the top of my head because there was uh, so much going on on this entire card. But, um, dude, it was a punch that just dropped Weidman immediately. Yeah, it was an overhand right. that hit him right on the temple. Weidman goes down, and you could just see his legs just shut off, dude. Um, He goes flying back against the cage, and I, I agree. I think Dan Margliotta messed up a little bit on this one. Um, Swoza even t- tried to talk to him and, and looked at him and said, uh, you know, he's done. But um, other than than that botched uh, decision at the end, uh, Jakari looked great in there, man. Um, well, at least in that third round. I think he just wanted it more. And, you know, Suozzi's all class, man, for not wanting to continue punishing Weidman because he was clearly out of it
0: yeah for sure so really unfortunate for chris weidman who has now lost four of his last five uh he was knocked out in all four of those fights um so i i personally would have questioned the chin of weidman but i thought it held up uh really well in this fight you know jagger hit him with some big shots uh in some of those exchanges before finishing him in that third round um but it it's a really difficult situation for Chris Wyman. I think, um, you know, he looked really lean in this fight. I think the move for him may be to move up to light heavyweight. Um, I don't know. If, I don't know if the, the, the weight, uh, is a factor in him. Uh, you know, not being able to take these shots. I, I don't know how much he's actually cutting. I know he is a very large, guy so maybe going up to 205 is the move for him as far as jacare i feel like uh he kind of deserves a rematch um with robert Whitaker. uh it, you know if Whitaker were to uh defend the title against kelvin gashlam um i i think jacare is deserving you, you know he's always been at the top uh he got robbed a couple of times like in his decision loss to you romero um So I I think, you know, reward the guy. Some people are saying uh, have him fight Israel Adesanya uh, for the number one contender spot. Uh, I would like to see Adesanya get another, uh, you know, top 10 guy. You know, he just beat his first top 10 opponent last night and he looked awesome doing it. And I think he definitely passed the test um, that a lot of people were curious about, um, you know, facing a high level grappler like Derek Brunson. But I would definitely like to see Uh, Adesanya get another um, top ten middleweight uh, before seeing a title shot, and I think you know Jacare is deserving of the winner of Robert Whitaker and Kelvin Gastelum. What are your thoughts, Jeff?
1: Yeah, dude, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, Souza's lost to both Kelvin Gastelum and Robert Whittaker, but I think he's worked his way back up, man. So I'd like to see him uh, be next in line for that title. I think he's deserved it. I don't believe he's had a title shot before um, in the middleweight division. So, yeah, I'd like to see him get it, man. I think he deserves it. He beat a really tough dude in Chris Weidman. Um, he's dominating this division with his submissions and his striking, which, you know, I, I underestimated it before Bill, but um, after his last win before Chris, uh, before the fight with Weidman, you know, I, I changed my mind about it and his striking came out again last night, man. Like we said, Weidman was doing everything right, dude. I, I, I just don't know what happened at the end. I think Soza just wanted it more because he came out, was in his face in that third round. And, Bill, I just wanted to address uh, what you said about the weight cutting for Weidman because when I saw him get on the scale on Friday night, he just looked a little depleted. He looked – uh, like he didn't have the best weight cut. Um, Cause I always try to look at like the stomach and the abs when uh, people cut weight and Wideman was just looking super bony. Like there wasn't a lot of muscle there. So I don't think that a move to, to two Oh five hurts him. Uh, I'd like to see what he can do with a little bit more weight on him with some more power behind his punches. So I think a uh, move to light heavyweight might be good for him.
0: Yeah. And, and with his wrestling credentials, I think he would do really well at two Oh five. I think there's a lot of interesting matchups for him there. Um, in a very empty division, you know, even with those four knockout losses in his last five fights, I think, um, uh, a fighter of the caliber of Chris Weidman, you could throw him right into the top five at two Oh five and nobody would complain about it for a second. So I think that may be the move for him. That's what I'd like to see for him. I would like to see Jacare get that title shot. I am also interested in a rematch between Jacare and Luke Rockhold, you know, if Luke Rockhold could make it to a fight night, uh, that would be great. Um, You know, it would be good to have him back and active in the division. So uh, let's talk about the future of the middleweight division a little bit more with the addition of Jared cannon who looked amazing last night in his middleweight debut against David branch. So, Cannonier, you know, had kind of a rough go at 205. I think he was just a little bit too small. Uh, Some people thought he wouldn't be able to make middleweight, but uh, he was able to do it on three weeks notice, uh, filling in for technically filling in for Luke Rockhold because Jacare had to fill in for Luke Rockhold. So Jared Cannonier gets the call to fill in for Jacare in the fight against David Branch. And, uh, you know, Cannoneer proved that he could definitely be a force in this middleweight division, bringing a lot of power down with him. From light heavyweight, and I'm really excited to see him, uh, added to this division. And, um, you know, he actually even looked like the smaller guy against David branch, who has also fought at two Oh five, as you well know. So what were your thoughts on the performance of Jared Kennedy last night, Jeff?
1: Bill, super impressed, man. David Branch came out and immediately shot for a takedown, was clinching up, trying to get Cannoneer on the ground. And dude, um, there was just a strength discrepancy, man. Jared Cannonier was so strong, dude. He was just able to muscle his way out of being taken down, basically. You know, he did a good job of getting his hips back too, but his strength played a huge factor. And Bill, I always thought, um, I was looking at a picture of him, um, at 205 and he looked really pudgy and dude, he looked great last night at middleweight. He was ripped. Um, you know, his abs were sticking out a lot. He looked like he had a comfortable weight cut, um, looked hydrated and dude, he just took it to David branch, man. I don't think that, uh, david branch i've always thought that he was kind of small for uh light heavyweight i think his division is more middleweight but jared cannonier man he's probably so used to throwing around those bigger stronger guys at 205 and um dealing with their power and david branch just was not enough um in this fight jared cannonier was clearly stronger and like i said man that As soon as they locked up, you could tell who the stronger fighter was. And um, Jared Cannonier just had way too much power for David Branch last night.
0: Yeah, for sure. So he looked phenomenal. I'm really excited uh, to see him added to this middleweight lineup. Uh, I think he has a bright future there. Um, You know, light heavyweight just wasn't the right class for him. I know it's a big cut uh, to get down from 205 to 185, but I I was glad to see him do it easily. He said the weight cut was easy, so you got to take him at his word. Uh, I'm going to jump around a little bit uh, because we have a lot to cover. I want to talk about Israel Adesanya. Uh, uh, You know, I briefly mentioned him earlier and, you know, his test taking on a top 10 middleweight and Derek Brunson and taking on a really high level grappler. Um, The issue with Derek Brunson is he never really seemed to fix the things that were wrong in his game. And I'm talking specifically about leading with his face. Uh, He does this in grappling exchanges, and he does it in striking exchanges. This is what got him knocked out by Robert Whitaker. And this is what got him knocked out by Israel Adesanya. I mean, he was really, really trying to get Adesanya to the ground. He was grabbing his shorts a couple of times, uh, which caused Adesanya to flip him off in the middle of the cage. Uh, There's A lot of bad blood between these two, which is why I was really looking forward to this fight. And Israel Adesanya with just that laser accuracy, uh, putting Derek Brunson down with a shot to the temple, um, which, you know, you don't see too often, but, uh, yeah, he dropped him hard. Uh, Derek Brunson was able to stand right up immediately. It it did seem like a flash knockout, but overall, definitely a good stoppage by Herb Dean. I believe, um, it could have been bad if he let it go on, if he let him stand up and and he took a shin to the face, uh, I think that would have been unnecessary damage. So I think luckily for Derek Brunson, it was stopped when it was, but Israel Adesanya, uh, you know, really passing the test here. And um, I think he has the potential to be a big star in this division. What were your thoughts on his performance, Jeff?
1: Bill, I was super impressed with, is he real Adesanya? Um, you know, we've, we've been a little critical, or at least I have been a little bit critical about his grappling, but Bill, it, it's clear that he's been working on it. Um, there were times where Deck Brunson almost had him to the ground and Adesanya was able to get out, um, and get his ankle out or get his leg out of danger and spin around really well. And Bill, there was one point in the fight where Adasanya thought about taking Brunson's back and he almost did too, but um Brunson was able to get up really quick. Um So it looks like Adesanya has been working on his grappling, but dude, not to take anything away from him, but I, I like what you said about Brunson coming in with his head first. That's how you get knocked out. That's how you get guillotined. Um, you know, and Whenever I see that it's, it's for lack of a better term, it's stupid to go in like that. Brunson wasn't setting up any of his takedowns with his hands. He was just shooting in head first. Um, You know, Adesanya good on him that, that he caught that and was able to react quick enough because it was a knee that stunned Brunson as he was going in head first. His hands were under his chin. He was asking to get hurt and, um adesanya you know a very very sharp striker you don't want to make too many mistakes against him so adesanya you know his striking was crisp his grappling was pretty solid able to stay on his feet the whole fight and bill in the post-fight press conference um i'm not gonna lie to you bill i was impressed with how he was talking how he was answering questions um so Adesanya's got that it factor, man. He's undefeated. He's, I believe, moves to 15-0 and 0 as a professional. And, Bill, I'm excited to see what's next for him. But I don't think he deserves a shot at Jakare yet. I think I agree with you. I think he needs to be tested one more time. Uh, I'd like to see him against a grappler who can mix it up in MMA because like we said, Derek Brunson yesterday was looking a little one-dimensional. So, um, I can't think of anybody off the top of my head. Um, maybe, um, the loser of, um, Whitaker versus Gastulum. Um, you know, if Gastulum loses, I'd like to see Adesanya against him. What do you think, Bill?
0: Yeah, that would be a fun fight for sure. Um, you know, Maybe Luke Rockhold is is still in the picture. Um, You know, it seems like there would be a big size discrepancy there, but I think it's an interesting matchup. That's a guy who can really grapple well. Um, You know, if Chris Weidman sticks around in this middleweight division, um, you know, maybe that's a thing. It, It depends on how the UFC is feeling about Chris Weidman if they want to try and put him out of his misery to springboard to the next superstar. Um, and they don't want to encourage him to move up to 205 then that's another possibility. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of options. I think the middleweight division is really exciting right now. Um, and and a lot of things, and I don't think Derek Brunson's out of the picture either. Um, you know, I think he needs to fix some things in his game. Uh, you know, leading with his head is how he got head kicked by Jacare as well. But you know, before that he had knockout wins over Machita and Dan Kelly. I think he's a guy who early in his career uh, got away with being really athletic and really strong and really reckless. And if he cleans things up uh, and, and, and stops flying across the cage head first, um, which he has shown a little bit more control. But, you know, you still have those bad habits from wrestling because in wrestling, you use your face to control your opponent uh, very frequently. Uh, it's a it's a very common strategy. But in MMA, it just leaves you open for for too many strikes. And, um, you know, fortunately, Derek Brunson has paid for that. But again, if he cleans up a couple of things, he's definitely still an elite fighter. All right, Jeff, I'm going to... I'm going to go down the line here and I'm going to give you a couple of fights um, just for the sake of time. And then you tell me which one you'd like to comment on the most. So Carl Robertson, who uh, came off of Dana White's Tuesday night contender series, very explosive fighter. Uh, I think they're definitely trying to build a market behind him. He had a very dominant performance over Jack Marshman, even showed some, some good uh, wrestling and some good grappling uh, ground control over a a strong veteran like Jack Marshman. I think it was a a good test for Carl Robertson and he definitely passed Uh, Jordan Rinaldi able to control Jason Knight with his wrestling and prove once again, that rubber guard is absolutely useless. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) And then uh, Shaman Rice and Julio Arce in one of the bloodiest fights I have ever seen uh, Julio Arce got cut and was just spewing blood all over the octagon, all over Shaman Rice, uh, all over Paul Felder's phone. And these guys were just completely blood red at the end of this fight. So out of those three, Jeff, uh, which one piques your interest the most? <laughs>
1: so bill unfortunately i didn't get to watch shaman rise versus julio arce um although i heard good things about that fight i was looking for it all over the internet today bill and nobody has the video for this uh so i'm gonna have to go back and watch it somehow but um i did really enjoy jordan Ronaldi versus jason knight man jordan Ronaldi just dominated this one his wrestling was a little too much for jason knight um i thought jordan rinaldi did a great job of back control especially in that um second round but bill jason knight such a tough dude just refusing to tap uh was able to fight off the hand successfully and you know i'm excited for both of these guys jason knight always a very entertaining fighter and i didn't know much about jordan rinaldi going into this one but dude looks great at featherweight um I don't think he struggled to cut the weight too much and you know, his grappling is awesome. It's phenomenal. Every time Jason Knight tried to uh, turn the position of being on of uh, when he had got his back taken, Jordan Rinaldi would switch his legs, switch the body triangle
0: to keep that pressure on Jason Knight. So I'm excited to see what's next for both of these guys. Yeah, for sure. It'll be interesting to see Jason Knight. Now this makes four losses in a row and I think his inability to get up when he's held down by strong wrestlers is really hindering, uh, his ability to win fights. Uh, it's as simple as that. Uh, he, he goes for rubber guard a lot. Uh, he goes for body triangles from the bottom, which are, are just stalling techniques. Uh, you know, those are things that you do if you're up on points in a jiu-jitsu tournament. They're just not things that you do in an MMA fight, especially if you're not offering any attacks off of them, which he wasn't, um, I'm a big fan of Jason Knight. I was really high on him uh, from his debut fight in the UFC, and I always look forward to his fights. But um, I think they've got to put him in there with somebody that doesn't have wrestling credentials uh, just so he can get some confidence back. And in the meantime, he's got to work on his scrambling skills and maybe his submissions off of his back as well. Uh, He was compared early in his career to the Diaz brothers because of his build and his the volume of punches on the feet. Um, but yeah, credit to Jordan Rinaldi. He had a great game plan and uh, you know, Jason Knight is a tough guy to put away. Like you said, he, he's one of the toughest guys in that division. All right, <clears throat> let's move on to who was meant to be the main event um, last night. And I don't want to spend too much time on this. Um, so Jari you banks. Uh, so, I I believe this is her first actual fight in the UFC. So what happened a couple of weeks ago was the UFC announced that Sajara Eubanks was going to fight Valentina Shevchenko, the main event UFC 230. The fans did not like that. So UFC scrambled to put together Derek Lewis versus Daniel Cormier. And the fans seemed to be happy with that one. Um, Sajara Eubanks flipped out, cursed out Dana White, was pissed that Joe Rogan didn't know who she was. Uh, was very insulted, understandably so. She was given a title shot, and then it was taken out from underneath her. Um, so I, you can understand that she's pissed about that, but then she talked all that shit. She's given another fight against Roxanne Modafferi, and then uh, she doesn't make weight. And this is obviously a problem for her because she wasn't able to fight in the Ultimate Fighter Season 25 finale for the flyweight championship the first time because she had kidney failure trying to make weight. So obviously this is not the weight class for her. The UFC needs to make her move up in weight. I think if she had lost this fight, it would have been her last fight in the UFC ever. I don't think there would have been any way for her to redeem herself enough, uh, to, to make it back again. But luckily for her, she did win the fight against a very tough and very game fighter, Roxanne Modafferi who, I kind of thought Roxanne had won the second round of this fight. I I think you can make that argument, but the judges all saw it 30-27 for Sajara Eubanks, so uh, good for her. Hopefully she gets her uh, nutrition in line. I know she's working with the UFC Performance Institute, um, but yeah, I I mean, it's going to be a long time before she sees a title shot, uh, unless she moves up in weight and has an impressive win at bantamweight, which I think should be the move for her uh what are your thoughts on all this uh weight watchers drama and her actual performance against Roxanne Montefiore Jeff
1: Bill her performance was fine uh you know that's kind of what I expected from Roxanne Modify. I mean from uh Sajar Eubanks but Bill I'm just disappointed man you know Eubanks walks around with a chip on her shoulder and listen that's fine but you gotta you gotta prove the naysayers wrong, and I think Sajar Eubanks failed to do that. She was getting booed the entire time, booed when they announced that she won, booed at the weigh-ins when I was there, and it's like, listen, if you want to prove a point, let's start by making weight, you know, um, because that that's one of the reasons that nobody wanted to see her in the main event was because we were all worried that she couldn't make weight, and then boom, she doesn't make weight. So, I think she needs to get that in order first. And I know I'm a bigger guy, uh, t- saying that, which is a little hypocritical, but I'm not getting paid to make 125 pounds. You know why, Bill? Because I know I'm never making 125 pounds. <laughs> that is why.
0: Fair enough. <laughs> well, um, yeah, I'm all for her having a chip on her shoulder. I think that's very appealing. I thought that was, um, you know, part of what made her entertaining on the show and it made her, it made you root for her a little bit. You know, she comes from uh, a rough background and you know, I'm all four people going heel, you know, turn on the crowd and tell them to fuck off for booing you and everything like that, but also do your job and half of your job is making weight. The other half is actually fighting. And you know, if you want to split it into thirds, another third should be promoting the fight, but uh, that seems to be optional for a lot of, Men and women uh in this day and age. And then they complain about how they're not promoted enough, even though they don't do the leg work to promote themselves. That's neither here nor there. So she gets the win. I still don't think she'll see a title shot for a long, long time. Uh not at 125 anyway. Uh if she's able to uh move up to 135, then you know we may be singing a different tune. All right. Uh I want to go over. Uh, Just a couple more things. I want to touch on almost every fight on this card, Jeff. So Lyman good with a nasty, nasty clinch uppercut knockout of Ben Saunders, who had a really quick turnaround, even though his last fight was really just a grappling match uh, in which he was submitted. Still a really quick turnaround for Ben Saunders, who's getting up there in years. Uh, And then Shane Burgos getting rocked on the feet by Kurt Hollibaugh, put down with a nasty one-two and then keeps his feet on Hollabaugh's hips to control the distance, controls his posture, and rolls into a really nasty armbar and cranked it really hard. Two really impressive finishes. Jeff, which one impressed you the most? Oh, Bill,
1: that's a tough one, man. I I really liked both of these because... both guys were in trouble man both of the winners were in trouble burgos had just been put down like you said um starts putting the feet on the hips controlling distance and then throws his legs up to catch holabaugh in a very very tight arm bar and and all this happened in the first round by the way for both of these fights and lyman good was eating some nasty knees from ben saunders in that clinch and he said you know what Fuck this i'm just gonna uppercut you and it worked. Ben Saunders got too comfortable eating those shots, and that last one put him down, uh, again, all in the first round. So,
0: Bill, I, I can't choose between these two. I loved both finishes. They were awesome. <laughs> um, I, I would say I was slightly more impressed with Shane Burgos just because of the way he recovered, and then he he pulled off the submission uh, in front of his hometown crowd. Uh, you, you got to be uh, happy for a guy. Uh, pulling something off like that. But yeah, Lyman good. Uh, amazing. So he was in that clinch with Ben Saunders, which is not where you want to be against, you know, the tallest guy in the division. Uh, I, I think by a lot and, you know, Lyman good is not a small welterweight. He's six foot and, you know, very heavily muscled. So what he did was he got inside control on the, on the clinch, which means he got his arm inside of Ben's arm and, uh, did a one-handed clinch on the back of Ben's head and then started pulling his head down into those uppercuts. And after the first one, Ben didn't let the clinch go, which is what you should do once somebody gets that inside control on that tie clinch and starts landing uppercuts. But he held on to it and basically, uh, you know, pulled himself down into those uppercuts a little bit more, which uh, is not a good thing uh, if you like uh, protecting your brain health. Uh, so yeah, very impressive performance by Lyman good. Um, who, you know, it is one of these very consistent guys. I mean, he's never been finished. He had a close split decision loss in his last fight. And, uh, he also has a loss on his record to Ben Askren. uh, Um, so, you know, that's something that could come up down the line. Uh, if he's able to strain some wins together and Ben Askren ends up doing well, which uh, by the way, I'm hearing rumors that Ben Askren is either going to fight Robbie Lawler or Steven Wonderboy Thompson. And uh, those are the two names on the table. I think both of those are really fun and interesting fights for very different reasons. Um, and I'm really excited to find out when Ben Askren is going to make his UFC Debut. I think we can uh, put a bow on UFC 230 here, Jeff. Um, awesome card overall. And, uh, you know, a lot of interesting things could come out of it. Um, and we'll just see how it goes. We'll see what's next for the double champ Daniel Cormier and uh, on down the line. A lot of exciting things for the middleweight division. And Let's move on to UFC Fight Night 139 from the Pepsi Center in Denver, Colorado, where interestingly, the Korean zombie Chan Sung Jung and Yair Rodriguez are headlining ahead of Donald Cerrone uh, in his hometown and Mike Perry. Um, I, I find this interesting because, you know, even though Cerrone's been very hot and cold lately and Perry's lost a bunch of fights, these are two guys uh, who are much more well known than the two fighters in the main event. And Yair Rodriguez has had a rocky year with the UFC after getting cut, reinstated, and then pulling out of his fight. So it's interesting to see him in that main event slot. Uh, I was very surprised to see that. Um, but, uh, all that aside, that's an awesome fucking fight because you have a guy with really flashy striking and a guy that's really, really hard to put away in the Korean zombie. So what are your thoughts on this main event in Denver next weekend jeff
1: uh bill real quick before we get into that um did you want to address the lando Venata versus uh matt Frivola fight from ufc 230
0: yes i did thank you for reminding me about that (laughs) yeah so
1: bill (laughs) let me just do a quick recap for you because this fight um i thought it was fight of the night bill and dude madness all over the place first round goes 10-9 for Frivola, who dropped Lando Venato a few times um, with some very, very hard shots. Then round two comes in, Lando Venato comes out swinging, um, some flashy spinning moves, drops uh, Matt Frivola as well two or three times. And then round three, they were just swinging for the fences. Um, Bill I'll be honest with you. I didn't think it was a draw. I thought Matt Favola did enough to win. I thought he got rounds one and three uh, by a score of 10-9. But I assume that somebody scored round two, 10-8 for Lando Venata, which uh, I find that hard to agree. I think that um, while Matt Favola was down, I don't think that Venata was on the verge of finishing him at any point during that round. But what do you think, Bill? Do you think that
0: the draw was a good call? So I tried to watch this fight uh, as objectively as possible. Obviously, Matt Favola is as part of our uh, Gracie Tampa uh, family here. He had Matt Arroyo in his corner. Um, even though he's moved up to start training at Longo, he also had Ray Longo in his corner. I actually, watching this fight, thought that the decision could have gone to Lando Venata. Now after like really thinking about it and seeing the strike count in that third round and seeing that Matt Frivola had more significant strikes. Um, I think a draw is really the right call here because I, I don't know who actually won that fight The the first and second rounds were really mirror images of each other. Yeah. E- even down to the ending, they both wound up, uh, with Armin guillotines at the very end of the round. Uh, I think Matt Fravola's might've been a little bit tighter, but, crazy that they both dropped each other almost in the same way. They're both throwing spinning wheel kicks. This was a crazy fucking fight. And that third round was really close. Apparently, Frivola outlanded Veneta. Uh, but I felt like Lando controlled the octagon a little bit more. And he, you know, I, I guess he missed a lot. But it, it looked like he was doing more in that third round. I would have probably scored it to him if I were watching it live. Um, I could have seen a 10-8 for Frivola in the first round. I could have seen a 10-8 for venata in the second round i could have seen a nine nine in the third round uh i could have seen uh the first and the third going to frivola and a 10-8 for venata uh i could have seen a 10-8 for frivola and then two and three going to venata so um i i, I would entertain all of the arguments for all of the above so i i think you got to give it a draw i would like to see it again uh because i thought it was a really fun fight so uh why not run it back uh and Thank you for reminding me about that, Jeff, because I did really want to cover that fight and um, would have been disappointed if we forgot to talk about it.
1: Yeah, no worries. But anyway, back to uh, Korean Zombie versus Yaya Rodriguez. Bill, I'm super excited. Korean Zombie has not fought in quite some time. Um, you know, he's been taking care of some stuff in his personal life. But Bill, I was excited for the original fight. This was supposed to be Frankie Edgar, but unfortunately, he's injured and bill i I don't know what happened i don't think that yari rodriguez deserves to be in the spot that he's in i um you know obviously he's had his trouble with the ufc he had to pull out of the last fight so i don't know man i mean i know that they're trying to give the fans an exciting fight um yari rodriguez is definitely a flashy fighter very exciting but I, i don't know about how i feel about him in the main event spot
0: yeah, um, it, it's interesting that he got this opportunity, but hopefully he does the right thing and takes advantage of it and then, uh, you know, calls out to beat Magomed Sharipov. And we finally get to see that fight uh, that we've been wanting. Um, so he needs to show that he was not afraid to take that fight, uh, which, he, you know, some people in the UFC seem to think he was, uh, and for a good reason. And the Korean zombie always fun. You know, this guy was legendary in the WEC. Uh, so people who are longtime fans of MMA, of course, remember some of his epic wars, uh, with Leonard Garcia, uh, you know, two fights with Leonard Garcia that were just awesome. If you want to, if you want to really see what the Korean zombies all about, go back and watch those fights, um, from, one from WC 48 and the other was a UFC fight night, uh, sometime in 2011. Uh, those were both amazing fights. He's got a win over Dustin Poirier, uh, before Poirier, uh, moved up in weight. And, um, you know, he had a tough fight with Jose Aldo where you know, Aldo finished him, but, uh, you know, awesome, awesome fighter. I'm really excited for this main event. And, um, you know, Cowboy and, and Mike Perry, this is an interesting fight. Um, I I don't think this is a great fight for Cowboy Cerrone. Skill for skill, I think he's better everywhere than Mike Perry, but um, Donald Cerrone fights the worst when he's emotionally invested in a fight. He does his best work uh, when he can be playful and relaxed in there, um, but when he's got a problem with a guy he's fighting – Uh, you know, the toughest cowboy doesn't always, uh, make it to the ring. He's always a slow starter, uh, which is dangerous against a guy with the power of Mike Perry. And, um, you know, he wears his emotions on his sleeve. It was his downfall in his fight against Nate Diaz. It was his downfall every time he's fought for a title, uh, in both WEC and the UFC, uh, so you got to be concerned for him there, but uh, you know, maybe he's sharpened some things up and uh, you know, he's trained with Mike Perry a little bit. So uh, maybe he knows something we don't, and he's going to be able to exploit some things about Mike Perry, but uh, interesting, interesting matchup here. What are your thoughts, Jeff?
1: Yeah, man. Um, Dude, uh, as distasteful as the trash talk has been for Mike Perry, uh, he's come out dressed as a native American looking for a cowboy, um, as distasteful as it's been, it has been entertaining bill. And I think that he might be getting into Donald Cerrone's head a little bit, which as he said is, uh, you know, it means that Donald Cerrone may not put his best foot forward, but who knows? I mean, he's got an issue with, uh the gym because there were, you know, Mike Perry is also with Greg Jackson now and Donald Cerrone felt like uh, he was being shunned a little bit. So I don't know, man. I mean, maybe changing camps will help him out a little bit. Um, So we'll see. I'm actually really excited for this fight, maybe even more than the main event itself. Uh, I feel like I always love when there's a little bit of bad blood between fighters and that whole issue with the gym thing definitely adds fuel to the fire. So if Donald Cerrone can, you know, uh, survive the early onslaught that I think Mike Perry is going to bring, um, and really if cowboy can get going in that second round, I think he can edge out a decision, but like you said, man, he's a slow starter and that's hurt him before. So, uh, Mike Perry, a very explosive fighter. Um, you know, he hasn't looked his best, uh, before in the UFC up until he changed camps. Um to join Greg Jackson. So we'll see, man. I, I think Mike Perry, um, I think he's starting to mature a little bit in this MMA game, at least in his, uh, in terms of his skills.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think if Cowboy Cerrone maybe takes the strategy that he used against Cowboy Oliveira, I think he could take Mike Perry down and, and really drown him on the mat. Uh, from what I understand, Mike Perry is a legitimate purple belt in Brazilian jiu Uh, I know he was training with, uh, Julian Williams, in Orlando for a little while, uh, who is now, you know, Jacare's coach, of course. Um, and I know he spent some time grappling with Jacare, but you know, Cowboy's a a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which a lot of people forget, uh, because, you know, he likes to stand and bang so much. Um, moving on down the line, we have the return of Jermaine Durandame, uh, against Raquel Pennington. This is actually a really interesting fight. Um, uh, I think these are two really tough bantamweights, uh, y- you know, I think it's far enough removed from Jermaine durandome running from the, uh, featherweight division that we can let that go and look forward to, uh, some exciting fights for her. Uh, then we have, I'm just going to rattle off a couple here that are jumping off the page to me, Jeff, and then you, you let me know what you're looking forward to Ray Borg and Joseph Benavides. I think this is actually a fun fight, even though I think the men's flyweight division doesn't have much of a future. And then uh, one person to keep your eye on, Jeff, Macy Barber, who is uh, coming off of Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, just 20 years old. Uh, she's 5-0, and and I believe four of those wins are by way of knockout. Um, she's very well-rounded, very young, very energetic. Her nickname is The Future, and uh, she's taking on Hannah Cyphers. So uh, keep an eye on that fight, Jeff. Um, I believe this is her debut in the actual UFC outside of the contender series, but she was given an immediate contract off of that show. Uh, and then we have, uh, Chaz Skelly and Bobby Moffat. Chaz Skelly always fun to watch. And then if you're really into grappling, Benil Dariush and Tiago Moises, uh, will be a really fun fight. Uh, Moises has a really great guillotine. Benil Dariush, obviously a really, uh, good wrestler. Um, so that that's kind of an interesting dynamic for me uh and that's all that's really jumping off the page for me jeff any comments on the fights i pointed out or is there anything that i'm missing here
1: um i'll be honest this card isn't looking super exciting to me benavidez versus borg um not super interesting. Maybe, uh, I'll, maybe when I watch it, it'll be a little bit more interesting, especially now that mighty mouse, uh, will not be with the UFC for a little bit. Uh, so maybe they can breathe some life into this, uh, get some new matchups going because they've both fought and lost to mighty mouse, but dude, I'm really excited for, uh, Pennington versus Jermaine Durandamy, man. Um, I know Durandamy gets a lot of flack for running from cyborg, but I mean, I would run from Cyborg, and, and, you know, I'm a big dude, so um, let's see. So durand super, super tough striker, Um, very, very good Muay Thai. Um, I think she can give Pennington a lot of problems, but Pennington, she's got so much heart. I think she's pretty well-rounded. I think she's no slouch in striking either. So I think this is going to be a really, really interesting matchup. And it could shake up the man weight division, you know, especially if, um, if, uh, something goes awry with the Amanda Nunez versus, uh, Chris Cyborg fight that's coming up in a few uh, months.
0: Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how Raquel Pennington bounces back from that nasty TKO loss, um, to Amanda Nunez. And, um, I, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens after the, uh, uh Nunez and cyborg fight it's kind of interesting where you have a a division basically with only one person in it and that's the champion in uh cyborg um so yeah but this is definitely a fun fight um uh, Raquel Pennington is really gritty I think if she uh puts the pressure on Jermaine Durandamy she can have a lot of success here but um if this fight stays at range, it's going to be a long night for Raquel Pennington. So um, that that should be a really fun fight. Um, I, I'm looking forward to the Dariush and Tiago Moises fight personally. And um, Macy Barber is a, an interesting character as well. I, I think she's got a lot of energy. I think she's got that... She's got almost like a Paige Van Zant, Sage Northcutt vibe where the UFC... Mm-hmm kind of want to get behind her. So um, uh, it'll be interesting to see if she's able to perform on the biggest stage as well as she has uh, thus far in her career, which is very well. All right, so um, I think we can put a cap on this one, Jeff, unless there's anything else you want to get off your chest. Uh, Nope, I got nothing for you this week, Bill. All right. Well, we've, we've got a little long this week and um, I, I had some beers and some breweries I visited in the past couple of weeks that I wanted to get into. But we'll save that for another time when there's not as much to talk about. Uh, we got into a lot of MMA this week and, uh, you know, we can put the booze aside for another time uh, because uh, that's always a timeless conversation. If you want to get a hold of Jeff on social media, let him know what you're thinking and drinking. It's at Animal. Underscore Wilson on Twitter. And of course, you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the Rocks, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, anywhere on the internet. Send me an email if you want. MMA on the Rocks gmail.com. That's all we got for this week's folks. Until next time, cheers, everybody. Goodbye.